Okay, welcome to episode four of Music and More. Um, I think today we're going to start off with a few questions and stuff that Pete's had on Twitter. See if there's anything interesting there, Pete. Yeah, man. Adam, how you doing, by the way? I'm really good. Sorry, I forgot to ask you. That's really rude yeah, of me. Sorry, yeah, I'm, really I'm very well. <laughs> I'm very well, yeah. Um, how, are you, how are you? Good. I'm getting ready for uh, Thanksgiving this week. You guys don't celebrate Thanksgiving, I'm guessing, obviously, because it's a pilgrim no. thing, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. No, we don't. Um, we don't have that, no. All right. Well, I'll, I'll eat some extra turkey and stuffing for you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we got some pretty good questions. Uh, lots of good feedback on Twitter and some folks sending me some DMs. And so the best news I had was <laughs> I was actually complaining last week about how I couldn't get a hold of the uh, the No Danger without listening to it on YouTube. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and yeah. And then uh, shout out to Mike. I think I'm going to ruin his last name, but but Batier, Mike Batier. Uh, <laughs> However you pronounce his last name, great guy. Uh, yeah, he, he put it in my hands. So now I have, a, I have a no danger that actually sounds better than listening to a, a YouTube version. <laughs> what, did I mess up his name? <laughs> oh, my God. Right, okay. Um, yeah, just Batty will do. <laughs> oh, Batty. Okay. It sounded, batty. I don't know, yeah. French, Battier. Oh, my God, this is getting all right, okay. I think if we want this episode to go any further, you cannot mention Michael Batty's last name again oh because oh. it has that has sent me sent me somewhere else. <laughs> but carry on anyway. So yeah. so Michael yeah. Michael Batty sent you the uh, MP3 of No Danger, yeah. Right, and while I don't uh, I don't condone sharing music without paying for it, I will say that I did fully purchase the UK version of of strength in numbers and it didn't come yeah. with no danger so uh yeah. i know i mean i don't mind so if i don't mind then you know who cares yeah uh, no i think that's really cool and thank you uh to michael batty for <laughs> um for sending pete that because i mean you know i don't think i've even got like a copy of no danger you know what i mean like i, oh. I don't i won't I wouldn't have an MP3 to send you, so um, yeah, thank you, Michael, for that. Yeah, it's kind of a shame that you don't have a physical copy of this thing that you created. <laughs> well, I mean, for a long time, it's. It, I mean, it's strange that because it's only recently that I've really, I, I don't know, found any sort of fondness for all the things that I have related to the music. I mean, obviously, you know, not getting into that side of it, but um, I kind of locked it all away for a while. But even when we were active, I was never big into like keepsakes or memorabilia you know all like my gold discs and anything like that was all up in my mum and dad's house it wasn't up in my house and um i had sort of no desire to put it up in my house as i say even when we were still going and again i suppose it's maybe something that people assume that i'd have copies of all our albums and stuff like that i ain't got one (laughs) do you know what i mean I, i ain't got one of them um I mean, you know, the vinyls, I didn't even realize I had the vinyls that I had until I started going through stuff. And I suppose it's it's lucky, really, that because I think I've said it in a video, um, what I used to do was get back off a tour and it, I'd have a sort of rucksack that I'd have used for, you know, day to day bits. And I'd just dump that upstairs in like the um, effectively what was the attic of my house. So when I've come to clear that out recently, I've come across all these things with all these bits in uh, and up there also was, you know, boxes of vinyl and and other stuff like that. Although the majority of the vinyl was also at my parents' house. I mean, I just, I just thought, well, it's the best place for safekeeping in it. If you know, if one day maybe I, I am interested and I guess it sounds weird really. I mean, it was, it's no reflection on how I felt about the band because as I say, even while we were still going and I didn't really have, you know, 
stuff that we made. Although, I mean, the only, the second album, like I had the second album on CD and I played that to death in my car um, when we got back from making it. I really enjoyed that, to be fair. But yeah, so that's kind of interesting, I guess. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, Pardon the pun, but I guess you guys were more focused on the music <laughs> as opposed well, to indeed. just the, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I mean, certainly, but I don't know, I guess... Well, I mean, some people just, some people like photographs of every day that they're alive. I mean, that's thing, that's another thing that I don't have that um, I'm really grateful to organize Jenny, um, Phil's wife, because over the years, she took a lot of pictures while no one else could be bothered, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. um, you, so you, she you documented all sorts of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. I actually was going to say, I was going to give a shout out to Jen because uh, while I don't know her, she has been the source of so many great photos that I've seen. So I think we need to uh, we need to bring her on and have her dig through her vault and uh, and share some stuff because I bet she's got some some keepers. Oh, certainly, yeah. Um, yeah, it'd be great to get Jen on. Uh, she'll have all sorts of stuff to talk about. And like you say, I'm the same. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of stuff that she shared that, I'm I'm as interested in because it's just like accessing memories for me. And, you know, I did, I did originally, I did have quite a lot of photographs, but I had them all on the laptop and yeah, they weren't backed up. They were just on my laptop yeah. and my laptop got stolen and I had like thousands of like tour photographs on there and my laptop got stolen and they weren't backed up. And I think at that point I were like, well, if someone's going to steal the last eight years of my memories, I'm not doing it again. Do you know <laughs> Possibly, but yeah, I mean, Jen's been great in all this. You know, she's been good with, um, because we had quite a lot of leftover merch when we split up. In fact, I think I've still got a box in my garage, but, you know, she went to quite a lot of effort to, to sell all the bits that were left of all the merchandise and the money went to charity. And I just think that was a really cool thing to do. Um, and that kind of coincided when obviously the listening party and people getting back interested and there she was sort of able, if people wanted to buy something, you know, she was there selling it with the money going for charity. So Jen, Jen played quite a, a big part. I mean, she did a lot of the times, you know what I mean? She spent a lot of time on tour with us and those sorts of things. So a lot of the time she would kind of part of it really. So it'd certainly be interesting to have her on here. Um, as with as with everyone else, you know, the rest of the lads, um, I just wanted to keep it for a little while anyway, just me and you, while we're getting to a little bit of a routine and I get used to it and stuff and, you yeah. know, and also it's difficult as well with lockdown at the moment. Otherwise I'd just get Stu round, Phil round and Jen round because over Zoom, obviously, you know, it's good if you've got a, it's good if you've got like a proper microphone and stuff like that. Whereas not, not everyone's got that set up. So, yeah, yeah. you know, come December the 2nd, people can come round here to actually record them and, you know, we'll have a, a good quality mic for them to to use and stuff like that. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be cool getting Jen on and, and everyone else to, to discuss uh, memories and stuff like that. And then, like you say, Pete, be, that will be really interesting for you. Oh yeah, for sure. So a couple of other questions before we go on to the topic today. Um, one of the guys on Twitter, uh, his handle is like men's league pro. Yeah. He's oh, been, yeah. he wrote some really cool stuff and big, definitely a big music fan. But uh, one of the questions that he said would be interesting was he was asking about the band. Well, there were two things that came out, the band name uh, being incense uh, and then why why it changed, which I think we should discuss real quickly. And the other thing that came out was uh, the the music videos in general. Like, you know, I guess the question was oh, yeah. more about like the making of those and stuff. So maybe we can uh, touch okay. on those before we get on to the, uh, the bigger topic uh-huh. today of B-sides. So let's start with Incense. I know you mentioned a little bit of this on a video, but maybe for the folks that didn't see the video, give us the, yeah. give us the skinny on, on the name Incense and why it changed. Yeah. I mean, it, that's not really a long or a complicated story. As I think I said, the origin of 
this band, it sort of started with me effectively not poaching Rob from another band, but Rob Rob was in another band called Incense and they had um, a gig booked somewhere in Leeds. Now, when I sort of formed, you know, this band with Rob, um, the gig was still booked under the name Incense that they had booked. So I think it was about, I think the gig was, I think it was about three months away. And we decided that rather than, you know, cancel the gig or anything like that, and because it had kind of been promoted or whatever, you know, in inverted commas promoted anyway, but, you know, we decided to just go with that name because we didn't think it made any difference, you know. So there's no great meaning to why the name Incense, other than we were kind of lumbered with it for that first gig. And, you know, because we were going on that period of development, we didn't really see any point in worrying about the name and don't forget, you know, we did a couple of like really little shows, like in pubs and stuff as incense. And, you know, it, it, it didn't matter then really. Didn't it? And I think we kept it anyway. We just weren't that bothered because it's not incense as in incense that you burn. It's more to be incensed. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of the yeah. meaning behind it. So, you know, it kind of worked. And so, like I say, we always had the intention of changing the name anyway. So we just, we never really paid that much thought to it. And I suppose... Some people would say we didn't pay that much thought to our actual name either. But. <laughs> so is it fair to say that the other band members, uh, when, when you took Rob, were they incensed? <laughs> uh, um, I can't comment on that. I don't know. And more to the point as well. Again, I know I say this a lot, but I don't care either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. And then the other part of the question I that was asked was about the the just the the videos in general. So I know you guys did you, you guys had some done in California, then you made some other ones. So what's your take on some of the videos you guys made? Well, that's another fascinating topic, really, that you could talk for a long time about. Now, again, I suppose at some point this is going to start to sound cliched, as in we only really thought about the music. But I don't know, like we music videos. You've people think about them differently. Some people use them as an opportunity to, you know, give a message or something, you know, often like a political message or, you know, a wider cultural message or something. Yeah, but we we never really gave that much thought to it. So, you know, for example, a lot of people would argue our best video is our very first one, like the original Long Road video. Yeah. I think that cost a hundred that cost a hundred pounds to make. Really? Versus yeah, that cost a hundred pounds to make. And you know, and someone's train fare or something like that versus the US one, which was like a hundred thousand dollars, I think, something like that. Which, which back then it'd have been like 60, 70 grand or something. A lot of money anyway. Uh, music videos, they just they were never really on our radar massively. Um, so how it used to work anyway, and you know, you you get treatments basically your record company or whoever it is i don't blooming know you know people pitch for it people pitch do you know what i mean people who make videos pitch to make your video so they hear you want a video so you'll get like five six seven pitches from people who'll like write out a storyboard and you know write it all out and tell you what happens in this video and then we get sent those and we pick the best one that's usually what happens um you know i mean i don't i suppose in retrospect really we could have paid a lot more more attention to videos and sort of made them ourselves in inverted commas in other words our ideas but there's not many people do that really it's just yeah. you know i don't know i i've got mixed feelings about our videos really i'm just trying to think back through them all i'm trying to think if there's actually any of them that are any good 
you know, the first one, I think the first take the long road and there's like a, a video, let love be the healer as well. I think they're really cool. Um, I don't think I saw the first take the long road. I only saw the, 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 the one that you was produced in the States and, and that was how oh, I was right. introduced to you guys. I mean, that's, oh. I, I guess that's, I guess videos do work because, uh, yeah, that someone sent me a link to that when I was in the States. Well, I'm still in the States, but somebody sent me a link to that and that's how yeah, I yeah. first discovered you guys. And I, and I remember watching that video a gazillion times cause the song was amazing. Oh, that's interesting that, um, yeah, the first one's like, like I say, really low budget. It was just filmed in Leeds in like a derelict cinema. You know what I mean? dead pigeons everywhere and all that sort of stuff just stood around no real theme to it it just looked gritty and it looked cool and it cost no money and i think it just it, it makes a mockery of when you spend god knows how much money i mean don't get me wrong i i like the other video it's very different and you know to be fair the american label were, were you know they were like look we we kind of want to run with our own idea for the video in terms of making it working you know for the american market or whatever because the i don't know whether they even saw the other video or if they just wanted to have some big budget thing i don't know either way um that that one was kind of cool um and then what have you got you've got videos like freedom fighters that's all right i mean there's not i mean but then I, I think the third album i think that was where our videos really tailed off i mean that is a long wider conversation in itself but i mean we really didn't care at that point which like, sounds bad. I really like the people but, video. That was that's that one seemed real awesome. Ah, yeah, that's a cool one. Yeah, that's a cool one. That was another relatively low key one. I don't think that cost because what we did there is that's when we was that the same day we filmed live at the blank canvas. Yeah, it was. So like um, we were doing a gig anyway, and you know it's not like we paid for extras or all, all those mates just came down and filled the place. Um, so before we actually did the gig in the evening, we spent the day filming the video. So that was cool as well. And that wasn't particularly big budget or anything. I don't know. I, I think when you've got really big budgets and that, it just expectations start to change. And um, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's easier to get videos like that wrong. Whereas when you just, it's just a couple of lads with some handy cams just yeah. filming stuff. It, I don't know. It just ends up looking more real. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I say, like the third album, the videos on that, like um, I'm trying to remember them now. What were they? They'll have been the spike. They'll have been strength. And was there something else? Was it spike? Um, was it the spike that had like the Tron thing going? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know what to say really. I think we were all at very difficult points in our life at that point and like i say none of us really cared about the video you know we got loads of treatments they were all rubbish we picked the best of the rubbish treatments Uh, it were as simple as that and there's been plenty of times and you know to be fair we've often sat there when we get these treatments reading through them all going well it's not one of them that's any good do you know what I mean? And then we sort of turn around and uh, I'm, I'm sure I remember us turning around and going, you know, like we could have done better than this. Yeah. And I think as managers at that point said, well, fair enough, put a treatment in then, you know, if you've got ideas, let's hear them and we can do it. But without that, we have to rely on other people giving treatments. And, you know, like you say, when, because it becomes stuff like, you know, scheduling becomes a point, having all this stuff happen and making like um, a decision with us four or any four people, especially for people with different ideas that takes time. And it's often something that you, you can't be bothered dealing with. It's one of them things that you're like, Oh, we'll make that decision later because I know it's going to take ages and we're going to disagree on it. So, yeah. So what would happen is we, 
kind of get treatments and no one would read them and someone would half read them and someone would say, yeah, it's all right. And then no one would read them and then management would be like, look, what's happening with these treatments? And then we we're like, okay, well, let's read them more serious. And then time would effectively run out for doing anything else. So like I say, it would be a case of using the best of a bad bunch, really. I, th- I think I heard Phil say once on an interview that, you know, the closest you guys can get to a live environment is the most comfortable you guys are. Uh, and I think that really shows in the kind of music that you guys play that's just really like well played live. But also the videos. I mean, to me, I think the videos I enjoy the most are really just like live footage of like, yeah. you know, you know different you know there's a there's one video i watch all the time called uh the walls get smaller is there's like a live version of that that you guys do and and phil is just covered in sweat like he's soaking Mm -hmm. wet and uh you know it's and it's it just sounds almost better than than the original than you guys are playing live it's just so perfect and uh and it's just really cool to see that live to me that's that's the best video you can do because i guess it's because it's so authentic it's so real and it's so good exactly And, and like you say we're comfortable so it looks real. The problem with filming videos is it's not real and no one ever looks comfortable. And I think it was only recently I watched some of them back and I thought consciously, wow, Rob did a really good job there because, you know, like effectively had to force himself to get vibed up. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, it's really hard when someone's saying, stop, go, do this, do that, jump around. And, you know, we never did any of that stuff. When If a director were like, you know, run around and jump around and look a bit crazy. Oh, my God. Do you know what I mean? I, I just, I don't even care about anyone else. I'd be giving him enough daggers that he'd know. All right, I won't say that again because I value my existence. And it was saying, it's been saying with photographers. Do you know what I mean? You're doing a photo shoot and someone's like, right, I'll jump off this step at the same time and throw your hands in there. And you're just like, look, do you want to live? Do you know what I mean? Because... <laughs> Well, anyway, I won't go down that road because I think the last episode was ranty enough, so I don't want to do that. But yeah, it's it's only ever really going to work when you're 100% comfortable. And I don't really remember any videos where, I, I mean, you get used to it. Don't get me wrong. You get used to the fact that you're studying in some warehouse or in a big studio, um, you know, like a, a film studio, just stood there with your music playing pretending that you're playing you do get over that and again parsley helps that do you know what i mean when you just like laid around all well you know i'm not gonna be funny when you're doing a video shoot there's no else to do what are you gonna do walk around and look at london no oh, thanks very much do you know what i mean so you just chill out and wait for wait for when you actually do anything which in video shoots can be a long time i mean who was it was it charlie watts from the stones who said most of being in the band is sitting around waiting you're either sat you know in an airport or you sat on a plane waiting to be somewhere or you know all sorts of different places but predominantly you just sat around waiting yeah that's pretty interesting all right, cool. Yeah. Well, there's more questions. We'll take it. We'll, we'll do those later in future episodes. If you have more questions that you guys want us to discuss, uh, you can send them. Uh, heck, you can send them uh, to myself. You can send them to Adam on Twitter. Uh, and, uh, you know, links will be in the show notes for sure. But why don't we talk about the, the title of the episode, which is B-Sides. Heck, I mean, I think we should start with B-Sides in general, because I know there's a lot of great B-Sides that we can uh, talk about with the music, but in general, bands that do B-Sides, as someone who's never been in a band, I, I, I really, honestly, I've never truly understood B-Sides. Like, why would you put a label on music and be like, hi, this is, uh, this is we've made some great music, uh, and that's on the A-Side, but we've made some other music that we're not as proud of, and so we're going to put that on the B-Side. I, I don't know, it's just kind of a weird uh, concept to me. Yeah, I, I agree totally. 
Um, I suppose, really, when you think about it, it will it comes from vinyl, doesn't it? So in the days of vinyl, you had your A side and then you flip it, you've got your B side. And I don't know, I guess it was an opportunity just to have more music on there. And, you know, it, does that necessarily mean that the band thought any less of it? Or does it just mean that they thought, well, this is going to be the single for whatever reasons, and then this is going to be the other one? for whatever reasons. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Do you think that that consciously gives the um, the idea that they think less of it? Well, yeah. I mean, and I, I don't have this on good authority. I just, I've always assumed, you know, the the term B-side almost seems, you know, not derogatory, but just more like, um, you know, it just certainly, you know, I wouldn't want to be on the B-side. <laughs> you know, I, I'd you know, you think about an album and you say, hey, you want to listen to the A-side or the B-side? Well, I want to listen to the A-side, obviously. Uh, and so there's some sort of implication that the, the A-side is where it's at. Uh, uh, you can take it or leave the B-side. That's That's been my yeah. impression. I could be totally off. Well, I mean, could you be totally off? That's what I'm saying, because I don't think I've ever thought about it like that. Not consciously. I can certainly understand how sort of subliminally and almost subconsciously that has to play a part, because even go, even if you go back to what I was saying about an A-side and a B-side physically, so you flip the record and you've got the single on the A-side, you know, that they've still chosen the other song as the A-side. So like yeah. you're saying, there still has to be an element, an implication that they think less of the B-side. I do understand what you're saying totally, but I do have to say that in terms of me appreciating songs, the only thing that's different about a B-side is its accessibility, unless you've obviously got all the singles and stuff. But that that's the only thing that differentiates it from me is that it's not necessarily the one that's always played on the radio. Although, you know, a lot of DJs do play people's B-sides now. Um, yeah. But I do totally understand what you're saying in that it's almost like, well, here's something great and then here's something that's not good enough to be on the A-side. I, yeah. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, and we'll get into some of the B-sides from the music for sure because to me, like... <laughs> Yeah, and I've even, I love some of the comments. If you go on YouTube and you just search the music B-sides, there's several channels that are that title. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I listen to those a lot. But And it's fun to read the comments from folks that just, you know, they're very articulate in how they, you know, explain how much they really appreciate some of these B-sides. But yeah, I had a question for you. There's some B-sides that are famous that became more famous than some of the popular songs. And so uh, yeah. let's see, let's see if you know some of these. You ever heard of uh, Blackwater from the Doobie Brothers? No, I'll probably know it by sound, but I don't know the name. Well, now I'm not going to sing it because I'm going to sound stupid. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, all right. Here's one that you'll probably know. How about Green Day's uh, uh, "Good Riddance"? You know, the time of your life. You yeah, know yeah, that, yeah. You know that, yeah, yeah. Was that a B side? That was a B side. Was it? But was it not a single? I'm sure that were a single. It was a B side to the song "Brain Stew," which I don't even know. <laughs> are you? Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's quite a few like that that that'll surprise you. Yeah, uh, I tell you what though, well, I could be totally wrong, but I'm sure that was a single. I was just suddenly wondering if it was a single in the UK and not in the US. Uh, this before it was, uh, it was, it was a B side, and then it got real popular. So then it became the, <laughs> the single, and and obviously one of their most famous songs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's, an, it's certainly an interesting point, but I mean, for me. Thinking about B-sides. Well, I guess it's different for me, really, having been in a band. For me, what if I said that an album has to work as a whole and it has to be a journey and that certain songs fulfil similar roles? Does that make it any easier 
to sort of understand the process of deciding what's an A side and what's a B side and that it's not necessarily anything to do with it being a worse song. It's just a case of an album. Certainly for us, this is how we always thought about it. You know, an album is a journey. Our albums weren't, the, the, the track listings weren't accidental. We didn't just throw them into a hat. Do you know what I mean? An album yeah. has to be a journey and different songs fulfill different functions on that journey. Do you know what I mean? And it's the same live. It's, it, you know, it works the same live. A live set has to be a journey and you wouldn't necessarily want four of the similar songs. For example, you know, we wouldn't play Turn Out The Light Human, Too High and I don't know, something else trippy all back to back. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it would be, it would be the same kind of vibe. So certainly that's something that I think plays a role is how an album works. I mean, the trouble is, is that, I mean, like the concept of an album and singles and EPs and all that. I mean, isn't it, is it dead or is it just about dead? I mean, I don't really know, but I know it's not the same as it was like when I was young and it was all about having an album. Do you know what I mean? I think people consume music in such a different way now that I don't think everyone's uh, obsessed with the idea of releasing an album once a year with 12 songs on it. Do you know what I mean? I don't think it kind of works in the same way anymore. Well, my problem with B-sides in general as a, you know, they're, they're second-class citizens because in this generation of, of I, heck, I don't even own a DVD player or a CD player for that matter. Like, everything I do is has been for many years is digital. So, um, yeah, it, I, I, I think I have an old record player that I haven't even, I'm going to restore one day, but it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, really yeah. just more of a, a it's, it's an antique. But the idea of music for me is I'll go to Spotify or I'll go somewhere online and that's music. B-sides don't, it's like they didn't get a seat at the table. You know, they're not even on the album. You know, you can buy yeah. a, you can buy a single that has that B-side somewhere, but that doesn't show up on the album when you're looking at the yeah, album yeah. as a whole. So that's always been my gripe for it. Uh, but it's been insightful to hear your, your point of view on this. Well, because like, yeah, exactly. That's again, that's your gripe, isn't it? But that's because you want certain songs on the record but you're not necessarily in charge of track listing that record do you see there's there's too many different ways to look at it you can look at it completely from a consumer you know like a fan i don't want to use the word consumer that's horrible but you can you can think about it totally from a fan's point of view which would which would be right you know what did i want what are my favorite songs from this 18 month period of the music do you know what i mean and then they would want that all on a record and i guess that ties into what i was saying as well about my view about b-sides and the only real difference is accessibility um because certainly i mean i'm trying to think of a, a really good example well it's probably like back when i was really into stuff like the manic street preachers and like b-sides off their early singles and stuff you know you couldn't get you couldn't hear that off oh, for any band any band like you say if you didn't have those singles you you couldn't hear those b-sides again unless so, someone on the radio played it and then again if you had a taping and you pressed record it, you know this it used to be a lot of work I, I think well it certainly was for me anyway so even going back further it must have been but so I remember being 14, 15, 16, principally more sort of 15, 16, and listening to Radio 1 on an evening and having a cassette in, trying to be ready to press record when the, you know, the song that you were really desperate to hear came on. And I think I did, I think I did that with Doves, um, Sea Song, Sea Song by the Doves. I remember that being, and again, I'll have been, 16 there or something like that maybe 17 again and I, I could check dates but 
I vividly remember that coming on and me thinking, oh, I've got to hear that again. So waiting for it to be played again and then recorded it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, so certainly, and as you've discovered as well, it can depend, it can depend which region you're in as well, whether you, you get the B sides, because I think, did we have stuff that was only on the Japanese releases? I'm sure we did. I'm sure we had like a couple of songs that were only on like a, a Japanese seven inch vinyl or something. Do you know what I mean? Some really peculiar things like that, but I don't know. I think that I suppose what I've just talked about there and that's part of the magic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that, like, while I'm sitting here talking, I'm almost being persuaded slightly. But the good thing I like about B-sides in general is there's like, it's like, uh, here's the album. It's great. Now that you love it. Oh, by the way, there's like, it's almost like when you eat French fries. There's like a couple of French fries in the bag uh, that, that you're like, ooh, I don't know why those are more special sometimes. You know, it's like, it's like there's something nice about having like that little bit of extra. And, and I think I get that from B-sides. It's, they're almost like Easter eggs. Like not everybody knows about it, but when you discover it, it's like something special. I don't know. It's kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's kind of that's kind of how I feel about it. I mean, it ties into music in general as well, in a sense that, you know, nowadays you just download whatever you want on the internet instantly. Whereas, again, like I was saying, unless you recorded stuff on the radio when you heard it, you know, um, my parents would take us into Leeds sort of, I don't know, once a month maybe. Um, and we'd go to like HMV and we'd each be allowed to like buy two albums or something, like, or maybe three albums or something like that. So, and I've talked about this in videos and quite a few times really but it's still an interesting point that music used to be something that you had to think about so that you weren't wasting your money you know because if you just went in and bought anything you might be like oh i've wasted 30 quid and i've got three records and i don't like any of it you know what I mean? That was that was always so. I mean, I'd always ponder, my, and I still do, over anything I'm buying or I'm interested in. But certainly, music back back when I was sort of being bought it by my parents, um, you thought long and hard about what you were going to buy so that you didn't make a mistake and end up with stuff that you didn't like. But for me, even if there was only like one or two songs on the record that that I liked, that was enough for me. Do you know what I mean? Sort of connecting with even one song that can stay with you for the rest of your life. Do you know what I mean? It's worth 12 quid, even if the rest of the stuff on the album's garbage or you're not particularly into it. Yeah. Um, Do you remember your first record that you ever bought? The first record that I ever bought. That's a, I think it was probably, was it, do you know what I mean by Oasis? They, when they released that on single, I think I bought that. If that's even what the song's called, do you know what I mean? I think that that might have been literally sort of physically. And I wasn't really into music then. I was kind of just starting to be into music proper. I mean, I've always been into music, listening to it, but I wasn't really massively into playing guitar at that point. I'd love to know how old I was. But either way, yeah, I'm sure that was the first thing I physically bought. Because what you have to take into account is I had two older brothers and my parents were really into music. So a lot of, a lot of stuff I wanted access to was kind of already around. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I bought my yeah. brother's CDs or stuff like that. So it, that, I think that's probably why it's murky for me to sure. try and remember exactly what the first record I was buying. And maybe I bought a therapy album as well. Was it, did I buy Trouble Gum? I might have done. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure if I thought about it, uh, I could probably, I could probably remember. But it certainly is a bit murky because I, you know, I, I 
borrowed a lot of CDs from my brothers and my parents, definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those day, those days are certainly a lot more interesting now. Nowadays, kids, you know, my daughters are spoiled. They just have Spotify accounts or whatever, and they just, you know, they can get all the music they want, and and it's it's just at their fingertips. Well, they don't they don't I mean, have I, to, I suppose, like you said, you know, study or pick and choose and and yeah. use their money to spend on this. It's a different time, yeah. for sure. Well, I mean, I suppose they're still spending the money or your money, I suppose, on the Spotify account, is it, with your daughter? I'm guessing, but <laughs> yeah. either way, either way you know like i said at least it's still being paid for but for years people just like i don't know i don't even know what it's called do you like you rip it don't you off torrents and stuff like that i don't know even know what that's called but people have been stealing music for a long time oh yeah i mean napster forget about it (laughs) i mean my daughter doesn't even know what napster is but that 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 generation is gone but that was certainly the beginning of the end where you know when people were doing uh napster and just doing that you know well it's it's just yeah, I mean, I'm not going to get into it too much, but it's just so short-sighted from anyone who loves music because, you yeah. know, why do you think why do you think sort of the music are still going? Do you know what I mean? Well, for other reasons, but primarily because there is no money left in this anymore. And I don't mean that as in, oh, I want to make loads of money. Do you know what I mean? There is not enough money to survive in this industry right. anymore. Um, and that is because people stopped buying records and started ripping it off and sharing it with each other for free and yep. getting all like high and mighty about, well, you know what I mean? I'm entitled to do it. And the trouble is as well, when generations of people have already been doing it, you can't stop them. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it, you know, I, I never, I, I still, I've never downloaded anything for free. I won't dream of it. Um, yeah. I just think it's wrong, but it's just like second nature to a lot of people and especially a lot of kids. And music's just become so much more disposable. And, you know, that's why there is no longevity for the majority of bands anymore because a lot of the... Well, you know, if you want to look at it like that, a lot of the profits have been taken out of it for everyone else. So because those profits aren't as big anymore, bands like us started to go on the decline effectively because there wasn't enough money for record companies to properly put into promoting stuff. And I mean, it's a long conversation that in itself. Oh, yeah. Um, But yeah, it's like you say, sort of Napster and where that's gone has taken a lot out of music. But at the same time, I'm sure there's a lot of people who just sit there and go, well, you know, suck it up. I'm sorry. You've got to diversify. You've got to, you know, make the industry changes. So you've got to change with it, I suppose, would be some people's attitude, which again is a perfectly understandable attitude. Um, I don't know. It just seems that there's something so vacuous at the heart of it for me. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I mean, I, uh, I'm a big supporter of the bands that I love and I'm the same way. I would never download music for free. I might download it from a place just to get access to it, but I always buy the albums and I always support my bands because, yeah, it, for yeah. that very reason, you know, there, it would just be, I don't, it, why would you steal from something that you truly appreciate? That's, there's such a, a conflict of interest. Well, you, yeah, you're cutting your nose off to spite your face. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, if I want to keep hearing these guys play, I best actually physically buy their album. But like yeah. I said, it's not something that I ever get on my soapbox about because, yep. you know, I'm one of the people that's like, well, you know, is what it is you can't do anything about it i'm never going to be one of these people that's going to scream in the face of people who illegally download stuff or download stuff for free do you know what i mean people people will do largely what they want and it, you know i don't lose any sleep over it as such i just I'd, like you say i just think it's short-sighted um and that's that's a lot of the reasons why music's changed certainly i think all right, well, let, let's transition now to the music B-sides. There's so many, uh, and um, I'm curious about a couple of them. You know, I certainly have my favorites. I did I did get a message from somebody on Twitter, uh, and I, again, I'll destroy this guy's name as well. Uh, it's uh, 
at Yiddo Bairn. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce that. It doesn't show. No, it anyway, long story short, great guy. He had a lot to say. Huge fan of the music. Um, you know, he had some good questions as well. Uh, and then he also had a suggestion about doing like a, a whole countdown of, uh, of of music songs, which I don't know that I love that idea personally. But one of the things I did appreciate <laughs> was um, his suggested list of the top 64 music songs, which I didn't even know there were that that many. Some of these songs <laughs> on here, I was like, okay, I'm a huge fan of the music. And some of these... So, and it doesn't go in order of album, but the list, it has so many songs. But then towards the end, it starts saying things like yeah, Strength in Numbers Whip Remix. Okay. Hadn't heard oh, that. Oh, yeah. All the remixes. Uh, yeah. The People Nick McCrabe Remix. I don't even know. Nick McCrabe Remix. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who that is. Uh, Thin White. The Verve Guitarist. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. Nick McCabe is the Verve Guitarist. Don't, you know, don't, you know, come on. Don't. Oh, of don't course. Nick McCabe. Sorry. <laughs> of course. I, lo- I, have, I have his poster on my wall. Just kidding. Um, Digweed and Muir remix. Uh, John Digweed. Yeah. That's a good remix as well. We have, a, and that was, sorry to sort of hijack your point, but that was another thing about us is because our music was quite dancey, it just, proper like lent yeah. itself to people remixing it do you know what i mean and we had all sorts of really cool remixes happening um yeah that that was really fun to to get i, I think they were b-sides a lot of the times the remixes or i mean did they i think some of those might have been the ones that like just ended up on like a, a japanese single or something like that potentially i'm not sure but yeah it would have been yeah. interesting to have all that in one place all those remixes and stuff because there were some really cool things but sorry pete carry on yeah, yeah, like one of them is Drugs, so it's a Japanese pop star remix. By the way, uh, whoever is listening to this that has these, yes, I would certainly like to get access to those, so uh, feel free to uh, to send them my way. Cause I feel oh, like Michael Batte will be back on it. Michael, <laughs> Michael Batte is coming. <laughs> uh, no. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've yeah he's a great guy Uh, shout out to Mike Uh, he definitely hooked me up but yeah lots of great stuff out there but um, B-sides to me that I and again this is in the idea in my head that B-sides are second class citizens uh, rain dance you know that is in no way shape or form a second class citizen to me so no no. yeah and it's just weird that that like what why why did that become a B-side how did that not make the, the 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 record so I mean, as as I've said, as you've said, Rain Dance is certainly not a second class citizen in terms of the strength of the song. And I suppose it's it's difficult not to answer this in such a way that kind of makes the rest of the conversation redundant, really. Um, but I might do it anyway and then see what happens. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean. So your question is why wasn't that on the album? Um, it's a good question. It's a good question, and I think the only way. I can answer it. I've kind of answered it already in that we certainly felt an album should be a journey and we felt it should be no more really than 10 songs. Have we ever had more than 10 songs? Have we done more than 10 songs on an album? We might have had 11 or, but really it wants to be 10 songs, no more than an hour. I might've got all this wrong. I remember we might've done more than this. Anyway, so 10 songs, no more than an hour and it's got to work. Do you know what I mean? Every song on there, it's got to be like a stepping stone from one song to the other, which is silly really because I bet no one out there nowadays actually listens to a record from start to finish. So, it, you know, like who really cares about the running order and stuff like that, I guess. But yeah. I mean, we yeah. did. We took, you know, our artwork was artwork in itself. And, you know, in retrospect, we should have taken the videos more seriously as well and made those more of a, an actual artwork. Um, but 
for the record to be a journey in itself and for everyone to be happy. Well, I made the point earlier. So, okay, you want Rain Dance on the album. What are you going to take off? Because for me, Rain, Rain Dance sits in a similar pocket to Human, Too High and Turn Out the Light. I would put, in terms of a record and in terms of how songs work, I would put those together. Now, I'm sure there's probably loads of people out there who've gone, they're not, they're not the same, those songs at all. Trust me, in terms of yeah. how we categorise things, those songs were in a similar bracket. Yep. So what do you think about that, Pete? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> now you got me. Do you see what I'm saying? Totally. I'm backed against. I'm backed into a corner here because, uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm definitely not taking any of those songs off the album. Mm. So that's tricky. That is tricky. I mean, your your point would be, well, just stick that one on as well. Uh, and you know that that does have its merit. Don't get me wrong. But again, when when you spent ages thinking about the track listing and talking about it, that song going into that, and you know everyone sat in the control room blasting it out and going into that song, and then going right, well, let's listen to that now and go into that song instead. You know, when you're choosing a running order like that. I mean, again, you you could just go, well, okay, it's ten songs, bang, there you go, or twelve songs, have as many as you want, it don't matter. But but like you said earlier, the order is like you, you can't just squeeze it in, right? So like on the first album, you have "Turn Out the Lights," right? Or "Turn Out the Lights." Yeah. It's an amazing yeah. song, and then but it, and it's so it's so relaxed and and it's just really like it's it's a vibe, it's great. And then mm-hmm. it and then I, for, I don't know I don't know if everybody's like this, but for me, I can't listen to "Turn Out the Light" without immediately listening to the people because mm-hmm. it just kind of like you know the pendulum swings a little bit, you know, like it goes from like oh I'm in this place and now I want to yep. hear the people, you know. And I want, yep. so exactly. there's that there's that balance, and so I, I guess that makes a lot of sense. That uh, where would I fit just because I'm alone in this in this record? I yeah yeah, I, yeah. it'd be impossible, yeah. but it's so amazing. It's such a great song. I listen to it all the time. But you know where do, where do yeah. you, where do you place it? Well, and that gives you the sort of context, really, doesn't it? In terms of um, why things can become B sides, even if they are really really good, because as good as Rain Dance is, would anyone out there you know say Yes, it is better than Turn Out the Light, Too High, and Human. Yes, it is better than those. Do you know what I mean? Would anyone say that? I'm not sure they would. Yeah, it's a, that's, you know, yeah. it's like calling one of my what kids is- ugly. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as well, this is something that everyone has to consider. We released, did we release three EPs before we released the album? I can't remember. Two EP? I've no idea. One EP? Was it just you might as well try to? Or was it? I can't remember now. But anyway, the point is, we wanted those EPs to be like mini records because that's what an EP is. So, what, you know, people saying, well, I can't believe that track wasn't on the album. For me, my brain just says, no, it was on the EP, ah. which, is in, which is an album. It's just a small one with four songs on instead of 10. Do you know what I mean? So if you didn't buy the EP, then more full you because yeah. that's where that song is. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's kind of... So, the, you know, I've never wanted... Because your own preconceived notion of what a B-side is, do you know what I mean? Sort yeah. of colours your opinion of it. Do you know what I'm saying? Because you're like, well, you're thinking that there's one great song and three fillers. That's not what those EPs were. They were like half an album. Do you know what I mean? When you look at you might as well try to, and, yeah. um, and the people, you know, for, I, can't, I can never remember the track listings, but the people, what's that got on it? Is it got like Jag Tune and Let Love Be The Healer and... What else is on there? 
Oh, I'm not sure. Dragon, but anyway, did they have Dragon Song? I don't know. I I, I never had the. I never. Like, I, everything for me was digital, so I didn't get to get all these EPs. Yeah, I, I'm, and it's funny because I can't really remember now which which was on which. We need real music fans on this show. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh well, I'll tell you what. If we need, you know, if we ever need anyone like that, my friend Robert um, is the person to get on. He's a walking walking encyclopedia of our music and our gigs and our singles and the. B-sides and where we were when this happened. He, he knows a lot about this band. So it would be certainly interesting to get Rob on because he would make these conversations so much easier. You know, if I'm like, yeah. hey, Rob, oh, when, yeah. when did we play that place? He'll tell me the year within seconds and the month. Do you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. I'd be totally lost. Yeah. Um, Dis- so- disclaimer, disclaimer. Like, I do love the music. I am not the historian or the best to 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 recount all these things. Heck, I can't I can't do that in anything in my life. So yeah. Um, well, no one no one's going to be calling you out on that, Pete. God, you know what I mean? You know, you know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know. You know, if you asked me to, if you asked me what the first album track listing was now, Pete, I wouldn't have a clue. If you asked me what the second album track listing was now i won't have a clue and the same goes for the third i wouldn't even be at a shadow of guess i'd probably be able to tell you how they all start and how they all end but in between no you know what i mean it's it's a long time since i since i sat down and worked up since we sat down and worked all that out because as i say it's not just something that happens quickly that there's pieces of paper everywhere with different orders and producers having ideas and managers having ideas and you know there's a lot of people that are pleased when you're talking about track listing it's not just like four of you um it, it is kind of when it's a set list that's a different thing it is just you know you do just please yourselves but so when it's a track listing both managers have got opinions the record company a and r people have got opinions the record company executives have got opinions the booking agents got opinions you know what i mean the guitar tech has do you know what i mean everyone has an opinion in those situations so future episode pitch here we'll invite some uh some self-proclaimed music fans on the show and we'll have a game show we'll have a contest to see who is the most authoritative music fan you know <laughs> and we'll, we'll i'll set it up i'll have all the questions and uh yeah you know maybe we'll have you as one of the contestants to see if they can actually beat that will be hilarious <laughs> yeah that will be hilarious i bet i do worse than anyone honestly i'll be like uh pass when did you do this uh pass <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that would be funny. Uh, it would, yeah. I mean, you know, carrying on the B-side thing just as a, an off-the-cuff thing. I mean, like a lot of my favorite Oasis songs, I think, are like B-sides. Do you know mm. what I mean? I mean, you know, I've never been the biggest Oasis fan. I do like Oasis, but, you know, um, a lot of my, like Master Plan isn't that a B-side? And there's a couple of others that are B-sides. Um, but I, I think to, to round the B-side conversation off... I think it all depends how you view them personally and how you let your own preconceived idea of what should be where affect how you feel about a song. Do you know what I mean? Because I wonder if some people are like, well, that's a B-side, so I'm automatically going to think less of it. Or it's going to have to do more work to impress me than the A-side is because the A-side has got more of the band's stamp of approval and the B-side has less of it. Do you know what I mean? I wonder if that plays a part in terms of how people... You know, when people bought singles, I wonder how many people didn't even listen to the B-sides. Do you know what I mean? There must have been a proportion of people who don't. Just the same as the people who, you you know, if a band had a massive single and they went and bought the album and they only listened to that single, do you know what I mean? It's like, what about the other songs on that record? But that all plays into um, the different ways in which people consume music, I suppose, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, I think there's definitely that prejudice. I know in the past I've, I've shared songs with people and in my mind, I, I, I may not have communicated it out loud, but in my mind I, I kept thinking, should I preface this with saying, 
can you believe how good this song it, and it's a b-side you know and even that implies like hey for a b-side this is really good <laughs> you yeah, know and there's exactly. an implication there that it's that it's you know before you even hear it it might not be as good as what you already heard yeah yeah and that, that, that's an interesting point in itself really when you're playing people stuff like that you know you know, if I put a song on for someone and say, hey, listen to this, and it doesn't necessarily even have to be one of my own. If I say, hey, listen to this, it's brilliant, versus, hey, listen to this. Does that affect the person who's listening to it? Does it affect their opinion? It might it might affect their expectations, yep. but will it affect their opinion afterwards? Yeah, that's a pretty good point. I mean, I have to say, I've definitely changed my perspective just in this podcast on on B-sides. Right, okay, so that'll do it for this episode again, I think. I mean, I don't know whether people have worked this out yet, but we're going to have kind of, it's, it's a loose format and things are going to come back, you know, like influences is going to come back at some point. And we might do that when we've got one of the other lads on sort of talk more widely about influences. But, you know, whenever we do topics on these, it's not like that topic's been and gone because it's, you know, they're so broad anyway and a lot of these points play into each other. So we will be revisiting a lot of these things. But yeah, um, I think our conversation has been really interesting about B-Sides actually. It, it's not only interesting from, for you, it's interesting for me to hear your point of view as well. Do you know, it's it's one of those things where it's so easy to be either side of the fence, completely unable to even see the other person's side. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And you're just like, well, hey, it don't make sense to me. Whereas now it makes more sense to you, and it makes more sense to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I like that. I really do. This has definitely been enlightening, and for me, yeah, it's. I've, I think I've learned a little bit. But uh, I'm also gonna repeat my uh, request. If you've got some good B sides, if you've got some <laughs> some nuggets, uh, some remixes, uh, yeah, uh, at V Pedro Error on Twitter. <laughs> I'd love to hear them. Yeah, yeah. So that's Pete finding out that you know he's actually got a little bit of profile now because he's on here and people are sending him stuff. So he's asking for whatever he can get now. Yeah, but that's I, absolutely fine. If you don't <laughs> ask, you don't get Pete. I respect that. I respect your game. That's thought that's absolutely fine that's my game um <laughs> but yeah so we'll leave it there anyway um thanks for listening as always we don't want to make these too long um and yeah we'll uh, speak on the next one thank you Bye.